0: We'll try this once again. Hello Hockey World. Today is Thursday, September 27th,
1: 2018. I'm Peter Tessie in
2: Winnipeg. I'm Kevin Allen of USA Today Sports.
0: We have Russ Cohen possibly from Pittsburgh on location and I'm Michael Agello and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on hockeybuzz.com. Uh, Russ is uh I believe is at the is some USHL uh, invitation or event in Pittsburgh, and uh, he's covering that. Um, let's get started here. Um, Kevin, I, I I was in the, the press box in uh, in Toronto on Monday, and uh, Pierre LeBrun had tweeted out something that got a lot of a play on on Twitter um, regarding. You know, starting training camps earlier and the season starting a little early, uh, starting mid September instead of the first week of October. And then the Stanley Cup final ending by, say, Memorial Day and everything being moved up. And Larry Brooks uh, sort of echoed that today. He said, training camp is simply too long, diminishing returns at this point. Vets are bored. Objective now is to avoid injury. basically saying the camps are too long. And I know the coaches will bristle at this because the coaches want time to evaluate. And, but, but a team like Toronto plays eight preseason games and it's, I think it's excessive, but what what are your thoughts?
2: Well, for sure. I I completely agree. Um, And I think even coaches um, would admit that, you know, the days when you bring guys to camp and try to decide who makes the roster, you know, they're gone. Like you, You've almost sort of figured out uh, coming into camp who has a shot. Every once in a while, someone will surprise you. But um, the, the number is so few that I, I don't think that, uh, that it overcomes the risk of injury that comes from preseason. And the days when players needed uh, preseason to get in shape are gone. This is not the 1970s. Uh, players are in shape all uh, throughout the year. They stay in shape in the offseason. Um, and I think, uh, I thought Larry Brooks made an, uh, an extra point when he said, that, you know, the argument that the uh, teams will make is, is that, well, they need the preseason dates, uh, the revenue, but uh, it's not going to make or break a team. Uh, you know, the, if they went down to four, losing the additional revenue is not enough that's going to put them over the top between uh, making money and losing money. So um, I think we could easily do that, and I think everyone would be happy, and, and by mean everyone, I think fans. Uh, players, uh, uh, general managers, uh, you know, arena officials who have to, you know, make sure they get uh, enough concert dates in the summer. If the NHL uh, final was wrapped up, uh, but you know, by early June at the latest, uh, and maybe Memorial Day, so it makes way too much sense uh, for them to uh, not start in September and, um, you know, push into uh, not push into the middle of June. Yeah. If,
1: you, if you start this, if the season's rolling by September 15th and you have it wrapped up by June 1st, you've given all the last four teams a little more time to prepare for a very busy period of, of the season, which is RFA time, UFA, and the draft. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot that has to be done. And more and more we're seeing these are the kinds of things where, where a lot of act- activity happens in the NHL. And giving GMs the time to do it, Seems to make more sense. The other aspect is, is we know players are coming in. As Kevin, you just said, fit and everything. This is about just getting them on the ice, getting them aligned with what's going on. And you know, those are your stars. And and unless your roster's turning over significantly, you you know what you've got coming in. You know where your prospect pool is. Mm-hmm. And, and and there's no reason to just to extend it out. I think the the one argument that will you would always hear pushback from is revenue. And I think there's probably got to be ways that the NHL with its um, other revenue streams can somehow trickle down more money back to teams and, and alt, you know, in, in certain ways that aren't a part of, of the revenue of, of the um, player split. But again, we, we have a potential, you know, CBA revamp coming in two years. So who knows what will happen? But if I were the players, I'd want to put this on the table. Reduce the time. Less wear and tear on the body, less chance for injuries, and we now are getting those.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, and I, I, I mentioned this on a on a previous show uh, after Monday because uh, Mike Babcock was asked about this in the press conference, and really he had no he had no way of answering it. It's like you know it, uh, the 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 problem was is that in front of the home fans at Scotiabank Arena, and they only had three home preseason games and obviously the fans want to see either Matthews or Tavares, and he had a split group where one was in one group and one was in the other. This was the game after the first half of the preseason where he decided to put all the all the NHL likelies in one group and most of the AHL likelies in another. And in a home game against Montreal, it was essentially the Toronto Marlies and their fourth line, and that was basically it. And, and you know, fans were – emailing and texting and tweeting reporters saying, you know, I paid good money for this and this is crap. And I understand that point of view, especially when it's somebody, you know, who may not be a season ticket holder and they get this ticket and they hope to see somebody. But that's the reality here. You have eight preseason games, and you're not going to beat up your your number one players. You're, you're the guys who have to get through 82 games. You're not going to, like, play them 20 minutes a night and play them in every game. So it's a delicate balancing act, and I think that's sort of solved by lessening the games. Eight games is too many.
2: Yeah. No, and I can imagine what Mike Babcock said to that because he, you know, he would always say in the thing, you know, I'm preparing my team yeah. to compete. You know, like I'm not – I'm not that's exactly good. what he said, Kevin, That's oh, exactly. that okay? yeah. but that's what normally he would say. I'm preparing my team and I really don't give much thought to anything other than that. So,
0: yeah. And, and, and I think, and basically what he said was, you know, I usually touch base with the opposing coach because, because the Leafs play four back to backs. They play Ottawa, Buffalo, Detroit, Montreal, back to back. And usually he touches base base with the coach. And says, okay, what lineup do you plan on playing? Because, you know, I'll have a correspondingly balanced lineup. and I don't want to put an AHL lineup against your full team. Mm-hmm. And then on Friday and Saturday, they play back-to-back against Detroit. And apparently, he, I'm assuming he contacted Jeff Blaschel, who was one of his assistants in Detroit, and said, okay, we have to play our – a lineup because of what happened on Monday and so Detroit is probably doing the same and so the game on Saturday is probably going to be Marley's versus Grand Rapids basically.
2: Yeah.
1: And, and why should you have to pay a full ticket for price for that too right like I mean that's that's the other thing from the fan experience it gets a little you know we season ticket packages you almost feel like wow I'm really not getting the value that I'm getting in two weeks and frankly if you reduce the games you can plan this out too in terms of who your A's or B's and the, the irony in this is that it's a lot like um what we call in Canada at least Timbits and house league hockey where you have eight 7-year-olds eight, and stuff and you say okay well I've got my oh, let's put my four top kids on against your four top kids so everyone can play against equal talent and stuff you know and, and, and no one's feeling too hard and and it makes a lot of sense
2: yeah no and like there's really no lure for fans in the preseason i mean like the the old days where you wanted to see the young kids and but again you know nowadays your, your farm uh and your prospect list is is clearly defined like fans today know more about the ranking of your prospects uh uh than ever before like they they know what's going to happen and you know i've heard some fans say well yeah, but what about the junior kid that's trying to earn a spot on the roster well you can still keep him for 10 games and see what he can do. You know, so I I, I just don't see any reason to continue this charade of, uh, of having, uh, you know, preseason games like they're really valuable to, you know, helping you decide who's going to be on your team. You know, you know in the middle of uh, uh, August uh, what your roster is going to look like, except unless you, uh, you know, acquire somebody uh, on the eve of the season uh, because, yeah. you know, your defense or your forward group isn't good enough
0: yeah, and I think you can do I think it's po- very possible to determine a you know fourth line winger or a sixth defenseman or a backup goaltender through scrimmages and practices and four four exhibition games rather than a lengthier. Uh, a lengthier time period. Now, one of the things that, that Larry Brooks did mention in his tweet was injuries and how a lot of teams are hoping just, you know, keeping their fingers crossed that they avoid serious injuries. Well, there've been a few over the last 24 to 48 hours that I think are going to have some effect on their teams. The first one and the most, the most uh, damaging one was the Corey Perry injury. Uh, Apparently there's uh, it was in warm-ups, and he damaged meniscus and MCL on his on one of his knees, and it came out yesterday, Kevin, that fought, he's out twenty weeks, which equals a five months. And this is a player whose career, at least his statistics, have been in decline the last few years. He scored nineteen goals two years ago, seventeen last year. He's he's under contract for another two years after this year, eight point six two million um i'm i'm starting to wonder whether we've seen the last of cory perry because this is a serious serious injury
2: yeah no this really is uh you know and it's you know even at you know you figure okay well he won't be he'll be a little more than 17 and you know and if, even if he's just a 20 goal scorer but the ducks you know can't afford to give up a 20 goal scorer not not in the pacific division um so this is a tough loss for them and uh You know, to me, the bigger injury was Seth Jones. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're the Columbus Blue Jackets losing him for four to six weeks uh, and not having your number one defenseman, he's really kind of become the foundation block of that team, in my opinion. Like, I he was on my Norris Trophy ballot last year. Uh, You know, I had him down uh, a ways. I think I can't remember exactly, but I think third or fourth I had him. You know in the voting Uh, but I thought he was deserving I thought he was one of the best defensemen in the league so you know losing him we all know the importance of a good start now teams that have poor starts it's difficult for them to dig out so now all of a sudden you know a team that was probably already you know on the bubble not because they're a poor team but because their division is so good um now they got to start without uh you know arguably their most important player you know a guy that's going to play 27 minutes so, you know, that that injury is big as well. And it just again speaks to, you know, why do we have so many preseason games? Now,
0: Peter, you know, you've had experience watching Perry uh in the West. And, you yeah, know, yeah. he w- he once was a great player. Last couple of years his numbers have declined, his speed has declined. Um, I mean, this is still as as Kevin pointed out, this is this is a, a serious injury. Uh, in, in the sense that, I mean, the, they don't have a ton of goal scorers. Kessler is his health is in question. We don't know when he's coming back. They've got Nick Ritchie holding out right now. He's a, as an unsigned RFA. So right now, you know, Bob Murray I think is challenged right with with with, with the team as it currently is um, because I mean they have two three players that are key for them that are not going to be in the lineup opening night.
1: Yeah, you know, the Ducks, it's going to be difficult for them. Um, You know, I think Perry's an interesting case because his numbers have sort of been all over the place the last few years. And, you know, in some ways you wonder, like, if he can make a full recovery from the injury. So assuming he comes back, treatment's fine and there's no lingering things. Having what is he expected five months out? That's what the word is. Yeah. So it's basically five, five
0: basically,
1: months out of the grind could also do wonders for the body in other ways, too.
2: That's true. And,
1: you know, and I, I always go back to what Timu Solani said about the longevity of his career. He said that one lockout year in the 04 he said, if I hadn't had that, I don't think I'd still have been playing, you know, later on because of what it allowed him to do. Perry plays hard minutes and and he plays hard. He's a physical and and a lot of people would say dirty player that and that comes at a price too. Guys target him as much as he targets them. Sure. You know, he's put a lot of wear and tear on that body. So short term it's going to have a massive impact on the Ducks. They they are not the team of depth that they used to be. I think they're probably very happy they still have Adam. They still they have Adam Henrique in in, in the lineup because imagine if they didn't. Mm. Um, you know, if they hadn't made that trade and kept him on. I mean, it's it's a, big, it's a big loss for them, and I think, you know, if, you, if you're the Sharks or the Kings or any, you know, or particularly even like a team like um, Edmonton or Calgary, mm-hmm. you're loving this because this is the kind of thing that upsets the apple cart just enough that maybe you can, you know, you're, you're going to make some hay when the sun shines when you don't have Corey Perry around for five months.
0: And and Kevin, I saw your, the scientific predictions that you, you, yeah. you made at USA today and you had, I think you had Anaheim in fourth, fourth in that division just ahead of Calgary and Edmonton. That was maybe yes. a point or point or two. The a loss of Perry, that's the, that's could be a point or two at least.
2: No, I, I agree. And uh, you know, I had said uh, because that came out after I had finished all that and, and um, you know, someone had asked me whether I, that would have adjusted and I would have adjusted that I would have put them down and to be honest, uh, one of the things I asked myself before I did that, uh, as you called, scientific uh, uh, <laughs> study uh, uh, of my point pro- for my point projections, uh, I said to myself, I wondered whether I was giving the Ducks too much respect. Um, because the Ducks have been there now. They've hung on. They've been competitive mm-hmm. for a while. You know, they're there. You know, we we see them as a good team. They've had Getzlaff. You know, we like their defensemen, uh, you know, Lynn Holm and Fowler. There's a, you know, a good group of defensemen there. Manson has really come on. I mean, they've got a lot of good uh, people. But I wondered, you know, am I just not catching that they're just a little bit on the decline? And then uh, when I saw the Perry injury, you know, it just made me say, you know, if I'm, if I'm that concerned about the loss of one player, yeah. that tells me that maybe I was. Maybe I was giving them uh, too much respect.
0: Well, un- unlike other years where I think they could absorb, you know, Getzloff scoring one goal before Christmas, or an injury to John Gibson for a month or two, I think the buffer zone is gone now. I think you know now that they've they've lost, you know, they don't know when they're getting Kessler back. They know Perry's going to be gone most of the regular season. If you know maybe the entire, depending on how he reacts, they don't, they don't have as much leeway here. Everybody's got to stay healthy and everybody's got to perform at a certain level. Otherwise they're going to be on, on the outside looking in.
2: Yeah, no, that's, that's really fair. And, you know, um, I did during the initial media tour, one of the players that was on that obviously was Connor McDavid and mm-hmm. he just said he, he felt like the Pacific division was so underrated because you know top to bottom like uh even a team like arizona if you look at what they did the last two months of the season they were among the top teams in the league and after ranta got healthy healthy you know you know and he even said Davis said you know it's hard to go into arizona and win you know they've got some talented players and Ranta's good and everything and uh you know vancouver now has um a, a collection of younger players everyone's talking about elias peterson and uh they got brock besser and uh you know horvat and there's a lot of interesting players there. And that Pacific, with Edmonton expected to be improved, and I think we do expect that there'll be a better team. We, we definitely think Calgary will be a better team as well. So that Pacific is going to be, uh, you know, really strong as well. So, um, yeah, these injuries are really significant. And, you know, it just goes right back to, uh, What we said before about there's there's hardly any good reason to have a longer preseason, mm-hmm. and a lot of reasons not to have a long lengthy preseason. One
1: one of the interesting things to that point, Kevin, is the recovery time you have as a team if you start off slow, because the like if, if you dig yourself in a hole, and I've seen people who have done studies of this that guys who are outside the the top eight in their co- well conference now, um. In by the end of October, it's a ridiculously small percentage that ever get back into it by the end of the season. So you know you lose a Perry and it, and Seth Jones too, right? Is who, yeah, the other players just six, he's six, six. out six four to six. If yeah. he goes six weeks, that's a massive loss for Columbus, and you might never be able to recover, depending on what other teams do.
0: Yeah, and the and the other injury that I was going to mention in Kevin, you mentioned Arizona was Alex Galchenyuk out week to week with a lower body injury. You know, that's not the start that I'm sure he wanted in Arizona after all the years in Montreal. And that's a young team. I think they need that scoring to if they if they, if they aspire to, uh, you know, at least challenge for a playoff spot. I think they need Ronta, as you said, uh, playing like he played the last couple months and they need Galchenyuk along with Clayton Keller and a few other players to, to score. And I'm not sure how long he's going to be out, they say week to week, but, you know, that's a loss that. Could hurt the Coyotes to get a good start this year.
2: could agree more. In fact, you know, I, I think the uh, Coyotes believe and this is a really strong statement, but I think the Coyotes believe had Ranta not been injured at the start of the season mm-hmm. um, that they would have made the playoffs. Like, they they were that confident um, in their ability that they would have at least been knocking on the door. That if mm-hmm. they look at the way they played in the final two months of the season, I think I... Uh, I wrote this and I I think he was 14 and 4 in his last 18 starts as I recall. Um, yeah,
0: something like that. And and he was like uh, his first seven or eight starts, I think he was like 1 and 7 or something like that. It was just, they were they, they were not playing well. I mean they, they remember they I, what was it? it? It was almost Halloween before they had their first victory. They you know, they
2: that's they right. Like, but Ranta was was just all banged up and even when he came back, he wasn't really ready to play. Um, so, you know, had he not been injured, who knows? And, yeah. um, you know, I, I, there's a lot to like about that team. Um, you know, with, uh, you know, Chikrin is being a younger player who I think, you know, is his best hockey still in front of him. And as you mentioned, Clayton Connor, I like that trade, uh, the Galchenyuk trade. And I, I think yeah. they were really counting on him, as you said, to, uh, be the guy that, uh, scored the goals for him. And, you know, you know, having, not having him there at the start of the season is pretty discouraging. Now
0: uh, some yeah. some de- to some demotions over the last couple days. I'm not going to go through all of them, obviously, because but I'm just talking about the, some of the young players. Uh, Boquist, uh, the first round pick of the Blackhawks, got uh, sent uh, sent down. Uh, so did Tolvanen, uh, the highly regarded uh, first pick from a, uh, from uh, last year that the Nashville Predators signed after he completed his time in the KHL. He got sent down to Milwaukee. Kevin, I watched Jesperi Yemi yesterday play against the Maple Leafs, uh, third pick overall this year. Um, a lot of people thought he was uh, a bit of a reach, playing really well, and he played up against Tavares and Matthews and Kadri at times during that game and didn't look out of place. I think Montreal is going to keep him, and I think they're going to at least give him the nine games, but I think they may give him more than that. He, looks, he looked
2: pretty good. Well, they should keep him. I mean – You know, you're at this. If you're the Canadians, what you have to sell is hope, and the hope is in a player like uh, like him. And uh, uh, you know, they have trouble scoring, and he's a skilled player, and uh, there's no reason not to give him the opportunity um, to you know to play. And uh, I'm a big believer in that. Like um, you know, the idea that you know you got to send these guys back down and give them more time. Um, I think that's a little outdated, um, and, and when I say that, I mean just as a matter of course, you just send them down because they're young. Yeah. I think you know it's a judgment call, and uh, you know from everything I've read, and I've not seen him play this this year in the preseason, but uh, from everything I've read, he's played well enough to have earned uh, the opportunity to be up. Yeah. So it makes perfect sense to me. It's a it's a younger man's league now. Um, you know we have taken steps through the years to um assure that uh, younger players can you know utilize their skills and uh and their their physical deficiencies um have been altered through the years by all the training that they now do in the off season so they come to the league a little stronger than you know an 18 year old player used to come to the league um and when when you factor all those together where the need for for speed and skating and So forth, there's just no reason not to bring a very talented youngster into your lineup. You know,
1: a couple days ago, I said on the Buzzcast that you know Montreal, given what Montreal is likely to be as a team, they should probably give him the nine games, see how he goes, then throw him back down, let him do World Juniors, let him do that stuff, and just not take the abuse and some of the scrutiny that's going to come in Montreal is what could be a very rough season for the franchise and have him not sort of have that weight on him and also not burn an entry-level year. Right. But given what Claude Julian was saying after the game last night and what he said a bit, you know, I agree with you, Kevin. I think they're probably going to keep him.
2: Yeah.
1: And, it, yeah. you know, and, and I compared it before to what the Jets did with Mark Shifley and they knew he could play in the preseason. He was scoring goals. He was having, you know, he was looking great. But when the games got a little tighter once the regular season started, it became a little more difficult for him. And then they sent him down. Um, and I think I was thinking, well, that's probably what Montreal might do. But I think I think he's moved the goalposts for them, and and rightfully so. He's looked really good.
2: Well, it, it's time for me to get on my annual soapbox about <laughs> the treating of younger players. And I make this speech every year, and I've made it since Steven Stamkos was a rookie when the Tampa Bay Lightning, I believe it was Rick Tockett.
0: No, it was Barry Melrose. It was no, Barry no, Melrose. Rick,
2: no, no, it was Rick Tockett, I think. Did Tockett follow? uh,
0: Mel, uh Melrose was fired because because of oh, St- no. he was putting yeah. Stamkos on the fourth line. And No, uh, no,
2: no, 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 no. No, that's not the point I'm going to make. Oh, okay, I, I'm sorry. I, I believe it was Tockett that followed. Uh, You're correct. Uh, yes. Melrose. Uh, we'd have to look that up, but I think that's, uh, they, it all kind of merges together. Yep. But anyway, uh, because uh, Stamkos, um, Uh, was struggling a little bit and trying to learn the game what they decided to do and when you look at the way society works it makes perfect sense when you bring a young lawyer in you don't throw him out and say okay go uh, argue your first case in a big uh, litigation that's important to the firm no he's this the second chair with a seasoned lawyer and they sort of figure it out and then after a couple years well that's not the way we do it you know we just throw them out and you got to compete against the top players all the time so why don't you develop a program to sort of ease them in? And what they did with uh, uh, Stamkos, if you recall, is um, you know once uh, Melrose was gone, you know he played like eight or nine games, and then he would take a game off, spend a couple of days in the weight room. He was he was asked to watch the game from above, and then he and the assistant coach would sit down and talk about what he learned from watching, and. By the end of the year, I talked to Stamkos about it, and he said he had learned so much. He was much stronger having those two days in the weight room that you get in the regular season, and it was like the proper way to do it. And by the end of the season, he was a far more complete, ready-to-go player than had he been if he'd have just been thrown in and played every game. You know, not had a couple of days off and everything else. So uh, that—that's the way I would do that. I, you know, I'd bring in the younger guys, but you know, they'd be on sort of a program where. You know, you'd play eight games, take a game off, spend some time in the weight room, kind of talk about what you're learning, see a game from above, and just sort of ease them in a little bit instead of just kind of throwing them into the wolves. And if they're good enough, so be it. And if they're not, uh, there should be more. You know, these are very valuable assets, and I think people should take more care in making sure they kind of assimilate easier. And you're
0: correct. Side. It was Rick Tockett right after Melrose. Melrose was fired after 16 games, and Tockett. Uh, was the coach for the next two 148 games yeah you know
2: as i thought it was talking but that was that was his plan like stamkos didn't play every game he played you know i think it was he would play nine and get a a game off or maybe it was eight and get a game off i can't remember exactly but uh that was the plan uh and the, the the days off Or for him to get in the weight room and also to watch a game and learn, and I think that's the way you deal with all these younger players. So you want them out there and you want them learning and being part of it, but you also need to, you know, sort of be mindful that um, that you know they shouldn't be treated exactly like a veteran player.
0: Yeah, and right and right now, Darlene is going to make the Sabers. Svechnikov is going to make Carolina. Kotkaniemi more than likely is going to make Montreal. Brady Kachuk is going to probably is more than likely going to make uh, the Senators and Zadina is going to make uh, the Red Wings. So, I mean, right now, I mean, last year, I think it was only he sheer and, uh and uh uh and, own, and Nolan Patrick that made it out of the first round that made that played almost a full year. So that's, a, it, 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 you know, it's completely subjective. It ba- it's based on the readiness of the players who are drafted. So, um, it you know, it, it'll be ex- it, it'll be exciting to watch because I always like to see how young players you know handle the NHL right out right out of the gate. And you know, Austin,
2: it, didn't right. I see McClellan say that uh, Bouchard had played well enough to? Yes.
0: Uh, yeah, and I've I've also heard some stuff uh, coming out of New Jersey about Ty Smith, their first round pick. Uh, and he was i think 16 or 17 that the, he could potentially make their roster so it, it's it's more than that i think there's i think it's about 8 or 9 right now that have yeah. not been have not been sent down or sent back to junior so um okay let's let's get into the the two previews here the first one is the is the ottawa senators and we could do an entire show about this one but it was funny uh Kevin, i was watch, I was reading your uh uh your piece on the, the 10 uh players or owners or general managers who sort of have underlying, could have underlying importance. And Eugene Melnick uh, was one of the 10. And I mean, the situation, just to start with this, the situation with Zach Smith, the waving of Zach Smith, just another in a long line of bizarre things because it wasn't he wasn't waived because of anything he specifically did. They were doing it according to Pierre Dorian to send a message to the other players. And they pretty much knew that he wasn't going to be claimed because they had tried to trade him and teams had sort of balked at the three three and a quarter million dollar contract. So it was sending a message, but you put a guy on waivers just to send a message. That's bizarre.
2: Well it worked. They they sent a message, but the message that Matt Duchesne got, I saw him quoted as being a little upset by the waving of that. Now, this is the same Matt Duchesne that you're trying to convince to stay. Yes. Now, so Matt Duchesne seemed pretty uh irked by the fact that that uh, uh his man was uh was waived. And I don't think that was a very good a mesh- m- message to uh you know, Stone or or Duchesne as you're trying to recruit them to stay with the team. Um, you know, and again, I, I, I think it was the right choice of words. It's bizarre. Um, he's very popular. It seemed to me, you would know that, uh, that uh, he was popular with his teammates. Um, and, uh, I, I, don't know. I just don't, you know, I, I put Melnick in there because as I said in my, my piece, I, I think he owes it to the fans uh, to do something to put a new face on this franchise. And, you know, the, maybe the way to do it is is to bring in a, a director of hockey operations. If you're mm-hmm. sold on Pierre Dorian, then just bring in a guy over him, a Shanahan type. I, I don't know who that is. Maybe it's uh, Daniel
0: Alfredson. But I don't, yeah, don't know Yeah, Daniel
2: Alfredson was the name that I thought. But, you know, maybe it's Ron Francis. Um, you know, there are people out there, obviously, that have, you know, a pedigree. But you need – to put a different face on this franchise because melnick you know i've covered the league a long time i was trying to think of an owner who has alienated his fan base quite like melnick and i had i struggled i i don't have one that's really well so much well, I,
1: I, I i can mean, think of i one. i have one but
0: it
2: you go harold ballard
0: now that's well, he stole my but but peter pocklinton probably possibly too. oh yeah yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, Faulkner. yeah, Parkington is uh, that's that's a fair one too. I I sort of discounted him because he had won um, you know, championships and mm-hmm. so he had sort of earned some sort of, you know, historical uh significance for the franchise and, you know, obviously Melnick hasn't won anything in in Ottawa. Um, so I didn't uh I didn't include him, but I, I think it's fair to to use that as a
0: and, and Harold Ballard systematically tore apart the a great maple leaf organization for, yeah. for monetary purposes. I mean if you ever read a book, uh read the read the book sixty seven by Damian Cox and Gord Stellick. He basically basically him and Stafford Smythe sold off uh, minor league teams that the Leafs owned, whereas the Montreal Canadians did didn't do that in the late sixties. And that was why the Canadians won Stanley Cups in the seventies and the Leafs did absolutely nothing. Um, getting back to the Senators now, they were twenty-eight, forty-three, and eleven for sixty-seven points last year, and I I will go out on a limb, Kevin, to say that they're not going to get close to that. Uh, but they you know they do have talent, they do still have some talent, but they've traded off Hoffman, they've traded away Eric Carlson. Uh, there are still players there that can score. There's still some quality players, but. I just I, – I don't know. The, the, the feeling I get is that it's such just a – it's a clown car right now that that's sort of going to overwhelm these players. You know, sometimes when you have such situations like that going on, the, the rink is sort of your salvation and you just go in and play and hopefully win. I think that this is going to sort of overwhelm this team and what's going on with Stone and Duchesne being UFAs and Craig Anderson supposedly wanting to get out of there but then recanting that – all this is just going to continue to roll throughout the season. I yeah. I don't know if they're – they'll, they'll beat Colorado's bad record, but not by much.
2: Yeah, wow. uh, no, I had them at 52 points. You know, I feel sorry for the younger players, the Colin Whites, the Brady Kachuks, Shabbat. Uh, those are really quality young players, so it's not like the cupboard is bare. Um, but, boy, there's going to be a lot of negativity, I, even with the arena uh, mm-hmm. there where um, – you know that, that arena just seemed uh, stale when it was new, um, and and uh, you know they they've needed an arena. It's too far out, obviously, uh, from the downtown area, and just all of that. It's just, it just one big umbrella of negativity that uh, they need to somehow find you know some hope. And you know what you said was accurate. It's not like they're completely void of any skilled players. I mean you know obviously stone can play and the the younger players that i talked to and Duchesne, you know he he uh you know he he had some ups and downs with ottawa but mostly um, i think they were pretty happy with that deal um, but they and, had deal,
1: so you know and and the problem for pierre dorian is there is no gm in this league who's going to send him a, who's going to throw him a life ring to help him out of this like he's yeah. in a really bad spin right now and He's got problems. These other guys are going to try and feast on him. And there's this is a bad spin. And you said, Kevin, you said 52 points. Yeah. Hey, that's a 15 point drop from their last season. And, they were and you bad might last be even, year. yeah. And you might be generous. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> you know, that's, and good on you. I mean, it's, it's bad. And, and to the point of getting a new face, I think the problem that the senators have is there's this very, you know, I, I, let's, I don't, I'll use the term questionable. There's not a lot of fact, but there's certainly a lot of suggestion that behind the scenes, there are some financial problems within the organization of wh- what is affordable to them. Right. And paying a guy half a million dollars to come in, because it's going to start at 500000 and it's only going to go up. Uh, and, and it's going to be way more for someone good to come in and take over that, that, that director of hockey operations role. That's not a, that's not a Melnick's budget It's not in his wheelhouse. Well, and, and, and that's the biggest problem. Dorian's not the guy to be out there talking, but to pay someone to come in, who's credible and do something that's not in there. That might not even be available to them.
0: Well, to that, to that point, Peter, the, the, the whole, you know, the thing with Zach Smith that came out yesterday was, you know, they had offers for Zach Smith. They wanted draft picks back. They didn't want to take a contract back. So I mean, if that's the case, I mean, so you're you're penny pinching a, a guy who scored yeah. five goals last year, who's at probably at his lowest possible value, and you're and you're making conditions on the deal where okay, you can't take a haircut on the on the contract. You can't take a contract back. I mean, y- if you're operating that way, I mean, how can you run a franchise that way? So that. No. that I, it's, it's puzzling. I mean, the the thing is they've made it clear that they're rebuilding and how can you, how can you really go through a rebuild when you don't have your first round pick? The whole point of the rebuild, if you're, if you're tearing down that roster is to add a young player with that number one pick. And that pick is in Colorado's coffers right now. So uh, they can't really start the rebuild until probably 2019, 2020, when they do have their first round pick.
1: It's, you know what, he, and here's the thing, is the guy who covers a Central Division team and sees the Central Division, there's seven, seven GMs in the Central Division mm-hmm. who should all be giving Ottawa someone to help them. Like, there's seven GMs who should be actually throwing Dory in a life ring so Colorado doesn't get Jack Hughes.
2: <laughs> like,
1: I mean... <laughs> You know, they're yeah. the guys who should you know, they should all get on the phone and say, what can we give them? So Colorado doesn't give, get, get Hughes. I mean, it's crazy.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's not unprecedented history. Remember the, 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 the Evander Kane deal with, uh, with Buffalo and Winnipeg, they, they wanted yep. Kane for one reason. He was hurt
2: and he yep. couldn't,
0: he couldn't hurt their chances of getting the best odds on Conor McDavid. And by the way, when the Leafs, Traded their first round pick for Tom Curvers back in the early 90s. Yeah. You know, they, they, you know, Quebec traded them three of their decent players so they could finish in last and Toronto could finish ahead of them because Toronto didn't have their own first. Yeah. They ended up giving up Scott Niedermeyer anyway. So what the hell? Um, Okay. The other, <laughs> yeah, the other team is the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, they made the playoffs last year 42, 26, and 14, 98 points. Uh, they added a, a big fish in free agency in James Van Reams Dyke who comes back to the organization. Um, I, I I I think this team has a good and growing young defense with Proforoff and Spear. I know that Spear was hurt earlier in the preseason. I don't think it's a serious injury. Um, they appear to have enough offense with Giroux and Voracek. The question Kevin is always been and probably always will be for the rest of our lives is their goaltending and alex Lyon is hurt and he played great at the end of the year for them as a backup and in the calder cup playoffs and michael Neuwerth is hurt again so it's back to like anthony stellars and brian elliott who has never been a steadying uh force so i mean i think they could be undone by their goaltending until carter hart gets there which is probably next year but you know it's it that's just the par for the course with the flyers
2: yeah I, I'm bullish on this team. I, I, I'm respectful of the goaltending issues there, but I, I you know, I love their, uh, you know, the Roth led uh, defense and bear, and I like their offense. And I thought the Rand Reemsteyk yeah. signing was one of the best offseason moves. You know, yeah. just adding some uh, you know, some goal scoring. I, I just think there's a lot to like about this team, and I, I got to believe one of those goalies, you know, will step up. Like the the tandem worked last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kind of think that's what, you know, Hextall kind of knows goaltending. And I think he's, uh, sort of figured out that maybe, uh, you know, one of those guys, if they, if they make the right choices, uh, you know, will be able to get them through. Um, you know, it's not an ideal situation. You'd rather have, you know, one guy, but I think they feel like their team is kind of strong enough. And because they went through this last year, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they'll, they'll be able to do that. So. Um, I, I you know I think they're going to be uh, finished ahead of the Penguins this year. Um I think they're going to be the second best team in that division.
0: Yeah, I mean Elliot played on one leg uh while he was able to in the playoffs against against the uh the Penguins and you know they I know that I think they brought in it was Neuberth, uh later on in this in that series, but I mean but Peter it, it it's 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 sort of this this h- sort of hodgepodge that are hoping one goaltender stays healthy and can carry them for 15 or 20 games and but I, I don't know it's like, it just seems always that there's chaos in in the net yeah sort
1: of. and there is and and I think I think from anyone who covers Philly a lot they know Ron's in a holding pattern because he's waiting for one of these prospects to come through right and, and be the guy and so I, I understand that he can be a little bit patient you can't be patient forever. But the interesting thing is, the Flyers and in, in, in just total goals against last year were 16th in the league. They weren't the, they were right in the middle of the pack and they were about 14th, I think, for goals four. So right. they're, they're in the middle of the pack and things and they made the playoffs. So knowing what they have as assets and goal coming up the pipe, you, you're betting that you're going to get one of those guys coming in. So what's the next best thing to do? Well, we can score more. So they get Van Riemsdyk. They may score their way out of some problems here. It sure. may not be pretty, but it may it, that was probably a better solution than trying to go find something else the other way, and and maybe and one that you can get out of too if it doesn't work. And and I think that was a smart move. So like Ke- Kevin, I think they're going to take a step. They could take a massive step if the goaltending shores up. Yeah, but I don't expect I don't expect it to. But I, I think the Flyers are a team you should people should be bullish on.
2: Yeah. yeah, people kind of see Provorov as a rival as kind of the key that's kind of vaulted him. But you know what? To me, it is is Couturier, you yeah. know, becoming an offensive force. Like, yeah. you know, it was almost like he was typecast. As soon as he showed up, he was so smart defensively that everybody just wanted to say, "Oh, well, you know, he's just a really fine defensive forward." And then all of a sudden, you know, he's become an offensive force as well. And that's just giving them another. You know, they already had Giroux, and now they've got him. And now they've added Van Riemsdyk. So I and Gossespierre is a great, uh, you know, uh, can uh, can distribute the puck and get it to the right guys. And Proborov's getting better. So um, they're, you know, they're on a uh, uh, an improvement track that I think uh, is is going to sort of move them along. And, and uh, you know, Peter's absolutely right. Like, you know, is it unthinkable that if they're goaltending, you know, could they win that division? I, I think that's possible. I I still think you know Washington. Um, you know, it sort of feels like they're playing with house money, and now that the pressure's off, like they, you know, they could really be good. But I I would put nothing past the Flyers, I, I like this team quite a bit.
0: Now, Couturier had a knee injury, uh, going into training camp. I think his work has been limited, but I haven't heard any. I, th- I think he's going to start the regular season, yeah. Um, you know. Carter Hart is going to play in the American Hockey League this year, and if you know if they're st- if they're struggling or if they're like borderline for the playoffs, and he he he's playing lights out in the American Hockey League, they may try to push that. The one situation with with the Flyers and Russ and Ak and I have talked about this, and I think we agree to disagree, has been Wayne Simmons because. Van Riemsdyk essentially takes Wayne Simmons' spot on their power play and on the left side, and he's an unrestricted free agent. And there's been talk of not not a lot of progress when it comes to Wayne Simmons. And if they're sort of borderline playoffs, sort of like Toronto was a couple of years ago. You know, you've got a UFA who's extremely valuable. Do you hold on to that guy and then probably lose him for nothing other than cap space and free agency? Or do you move him and get more assets back? And that's going to be an interesting dilemma for Ron Hextall uh, as the deadline approaches.
2: Yeah, and I I think every situation is different, but I always err on the side of competing now. Um, So, I, you know, I would tend to think you you take him as far as you can uh and then you have to make that decision but a lot depends on whether you need anything and whether you can achieve that with trading him as well or you know if you decide there's something else maybe you can get something for him now if you want to make that so i think you got to look at all your options in that case uh, but i think it's a you know I, you know i've heard fans say oh you know it's just a bad spot to be in well no actually it's a good spot to be in you know you've got options with. Uh, uh, with Simmons. Uh, and, uh, you know, you'll get something for him. If you want to trade him now, you'll get something for him. You want to trade him later. Um, or you can uh, just utilize him because, you know, his style of play is perfect for the postseason. So if you, if you tend to believe, you know, you can make a run, um, then you can just keep him and say, Hey, you know, uh, that's just the way it is. It's the price of doing business.
0: Okay, guys. Great show. Uh, we will be back tomorrow with a, another edition of the hockey buzzcast. Um, uh- you know, keep our fingers crossed. Uh, for, for Kevin Allen, for Peter Tessier, for Russ Cohen, who is barely here. Uh, I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching. And remember, without
1: the buzz, it's just hockey.